Welcome to the Humagro Farmer Podcast with your host, Larry Cooper. For today's episode of the Humagrow Farmer Podcast, we're following up on one of the products that was mentioned quite a bit on our two strawberry podcasts, Zap. To tell us more about this product, in the studio we have Lyndon Smith, President and CEO of Biohumanetics, which is a company that makes Humagrow products. And on the phone, we have Barrett Smith, Eastern U.S. Sales Manager and Agronomist for Humagrow. Lyndon is the son of one of the company's founders, Dr. Jordan Smith, and he's been working at BHN on and off since high school, becoming president in 1995. So he's very familiar with this product, as is Barrett, who has also been affiliated with the company for most of his young life. Lyndon, our products Zap and Promax have a lot to do with soil biology, though they come at it from different directions. Start us off by talking a little bit about soil biology and why it is so important to crops. Yeah, so uh, interesting enough, years ago when I started in the industry, farmers were of the opinion, oh, if you tell me I've got bugs in my soil, I want to kill them all because <laughs> uh, they're all bad. And, uh, and then it you know, took a little while to say, okay, there's good bugs and there's bad bugs. We call microbes bugs. Uh, uh, you know, in the farmer vernacular. So uh, it's just been interesting to see that evolution uh, coming through the years and how that's progressed and how that's uh, grown. So in those early years, everything was about killing all the bugs. Uh, There were some very harsh chemicals used and still in some areas used uh, that, uh, you know, are fumigants and they create... uh, uh, an environment in the soil where all the microbes basically uh, die and the soil becomes sterile. Most uh, pathogenic organisms have an ability to do what they call sporulate. And when they sporulate, that means that they lay eggs. We'll just call them eggs for ease of understanding. And those eggs uh, stay dormant until the right environment shows up again for them to sprout and then they start to colonize and grow. And and so uh, unfortunately through fumigation, uh, some of the pathogenic organisms are better at sporulating than are the beneficial organisms. And so therefore we end up with a challenge uh, where after fumigation, the pathogenic organisms come back quicker than the beneficial organisms. So what are some ways in which we can attack that problem or solve that problem today, uh, you know, has been generated by products like Zap and uh, Promax uh, to be able to help the Humagrow farmer to be able to advance and, and take care of the environment at the same time taking care of his microbial uh, challenges. And I'll jump in that that's not a small thing. I, I read the other day that 90% of essential soil functions are related to the biology in the soil. So if you wipe out all the microbes in the soil, you're really damaging your potential crops in the future. Absolutely. Uh, we talk a lot about today, we talk a lot about soil health, and that is specifically focused on the soil biome, if you will. Uh, It's the microbial activity in the soil. The beneficial microbial activity in the soil is now a measurement of soil health. And so with movements like the Soil Health Institute and other movements that are in the 
in the ag industry today. It's a fascinating, a, a very unique opportunity for us to be able to speak to this and to, and to be able to really uh, provide tools to the grower uh, for soil health and for improving the environment in which they're in. So sometimes the biology gets out of whack and the bad guys start doing bad things to the roots and to the plants. What are some things that knock things out of balance that, that make them come to the front where the farmer's going to say, I've got to kill the bugs? Yeah, uh, great question. Um, we're doing that through many, many of our cultural practices. One that has been diminished in recent years is deep till plowing. Uh, most microbial activity is in the top foot of the soil. And when we were doing deep till plowing, which we don't do much anymore, uh, maybe in some outlying areas, uh, we're turning all of those beneficial microbes down into the soil, the deep soil, and bringing up sterile soil from the bottom and putting that in the top foot of the soil. So it was actually having the reverse effect. So now we talk about no-till or low-till, and that has had a huge improvement in the microbial activity in the soil. However, there are other uh, practices that still, uh, anytime we're running machinery over the field, uh, it's called compacting that happens. That destroys the microbial activity, the beneficial microbial activity in the soil because they like aerobic environments. Uh, and, and so just to speak to that for a moment, uh, there's a difference between two types of, of activity in the soil. You have the aerobic beneficial microbiology in the soil, which is the one we're really after. And they are oxygen-loving microbes. These are microbes that uh, take in the oxygen and breathe out CO2, just like the plants breathe in CO2 and breathe out oxygen. And so these organisms were designed by nature to do what they're supposed to do, which is to take care of the aeration of the soil and to live in this aerobic environment. Well, uh, if we're overwatering, we're creating a, or compacted, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, so overwatering is a second area that creates an imbalance in the soil uh, where uh, there's no air, there's no oxygen being able to get into the microbial uh, community. And so they tend to turn away or to die. Um, so there are some true aerobes. Uh, so let's just speak about different classes of microbes in the soil. You have your true aerobes, which are uh, the ones who are oxygen loving, oxygen breathing. Then you have facultative, and these are microbes that os oscillate between being aerobic and anaerobic. Uh, the other, yeah, the other extreme is anaerobic. So you got aerobic and anaerobic. I probably didn't say that clearly, but um, in the in these facultative organisms, they switch based on their environment. So in a oxygen rich environment, they are aerobic and then they switch to anaerobic in a oxygen poor. Anaerobes uh, utilize sulfur in their system. And so uh, the sulfur organisms, they put off things like uh, uh, sulfur dioxide, they put off uh, sulfuric acid, they, they create other imbalances in the soil that are toxic to roots. And so we don't want those facultative or true uh, anaerobic uh, microbes 
to proliferate in the soil. So again, we, we cause that anaerobic environment through, through tillage, uh, deep tillage. We create that through compacting. We create that through uh, overwatering. And then we also create it by the chemistries that we're applying. Many of the chemistries that we're applying, herbicides, insecticides, pesticides, fungicides, are also toxic to the beneficial aerobic microbes in the soil. And so when it hits the soil, uh, it's killing those and allowing the, the negative microbes to sporulate and then come back with a vengeance. And so those are the kinds of things that create this disimbalance uh, in the soil. And imbalance, not disimbalance. Wouldn't another thing be monocropping? So, for example, if you're growing strawberries in a particular field year after year after year after year, strawberry pathogens are looking at that like, hey, we've got a McDonald's here. We can just come here and eat everything that we want. And that's going to attract uh, and get an imbalance. That That is a very good point. Uh, when we're monocropping, there's a couple of uh, considerations that need to be covered. One is that in monocropping, you create the same microbial activity in the soil, so you end up with a very narrow group of beneficial microbes because you don't have all the diversity of chemistries coming out of the roots. The root exudates, and so it becomes all those microbes that like to form around the roots. And then on the other hand, you have the pathogenic organisms that love to host in the trash or in the residue uh, of that particular crop. So a good example in cotton, you have some pathogens that overwinter in the, the stalks and the roots of the crop that we just harvested. And then they come back with a vengeance in the spring. And, and then again, so you've got this lack of biodiversity and you've got this over overwintering of of host pathogenic organisms that can explode on you. A, a few pathogenic organisms, by the way, are very important in the soil environment. These are what break down the organic matter that's left, the residues that are left, and cause them to um, cause that that breakdown of that organic matter into humus. And so, a good example of that is a fusarium organism. A fusarium organism is very helpful in breaking down crop residues and, and in recycling that, that nutrient. But it, the problem is, is when it, when it gets explosive numbers in the soil, then it becomes toxic to the roots in the next crop. And so it kills the next crop because it wants to eat that and digest it as well and turn it into humus. So a few organisms are good. Many of the same organism is bad. So this is, uh, I, I think, maybe that gives a good background of where we're at in the terms of the soil solution and the microbial activity within the soil. Um, so anytime we're fumigating, we're destroying all of that. Uh, and, uh, and again, these uh, pathogenic organisms tend to come back quicker. So uh, when we first look at it, we want to re-stimulate. If we're going to fumigate, we want to re-stimulate the beneficial organisms in an aerobic environment to be able to uh, create the diversity of the aerobic uh, microbes in the soil to be able to proliferate and do their thing. This is where a product such as ZAP comes into play and is so beneficial. 
Um, Zap has an ability to stimulate both the beneficial bacteria as well as fungi. Uh, there, there are uh, precursors, uh, catalysts, enzymes, biostimulants, all of that in Zap that really drive microbial activity into hyper hyperdrive, if you will, and and uh, really charge uh, those microbes uh, into doing all that they're supposed to do. Uh, most microbes uh, microbes uh, that are coming into the soil solution after a fumigation are coming in from the air, and these are beneficial ones. They just need to have an environment where they can survive and live, and ZAP gives us that kind of environment. Um, the carbon-rich uh, material that is in ZAP helps those microbes to proliferate, to grow, and uh, and we see not only a jump in in bacteria and fungi, but then we also see a dramatic increase in this soil microbial diversity. Um, so we're getting all the chains of microbes. Uh, you know, you've got those that eat hamburgers and those that eat, uh, you know, steak and those that eat the veggies and all of the, all of the diversity of microbes uh, come back into the soil when we apply a zap uh, material afterwards. A great example of that is whenever uh, we have uh, farmers who will, um, they will cut their ground on one end, they're, they're gonna level their ground uh, for, for water retention, for water holding. They wanna level their fields, a very wise move. But the problem they have is they're cutting their ground on one end and dragging all those beneficial microbes that are in that top uh, foot of soil to other parts of the field which leaves a very sterile top ground. And for years, that top ground doesn't become uh, fertile, doesn't become healthy. Uh, it's a very sterile soil. And so with a product like Zap, we can go in there and really create that microbial activity, that microbial uh, diversity that's needed to make for a fertile soil. And so soil health becomes uh, very, uh, very dramatically improved and increased with Zap. Let me just talk about one other aspect of that. Uh, there are many companies out there that are selling a microbial inoculum. Um, and, and I'll just kind of tease a little bit. Uh, one, one aspect of that is you don't want to use an inoculum unless you use something like Zap to give it a sack lunch so that it can survive and proliferate. Um, but just sharing with you another concept about the idea of inoculation uh, it's interesting, in one gram of soil, one teaspoon of soil, uh, you have billions, with a B, billions of microbes. You have billions of bacteria, billions of fungi, billions of actinomycetes, billions of algae, billions of all the other higher life forms um, that create the whole soil health, soil microbial community, if you will. And uh, so if we think or we believe that one little drop of, of an inoculum that even might have, you know, very high colony forming units in it onto that gram of soil is going to make a difference to the billions and billions that are there. I'll just tell you that the chances are that what happens is that all those wild microbes eat this microbe that's been raised in a pristine environment. They will consume him very quickly and there will be an increase in microbial activity in the soil. 
but it may not be what that particular microbe was intended to be when it was applied. And so uh, very rarely have we seen long-lasting, you know, beneficial effects from microbial inoculums, whereas on the other hand, a product like Zap creating the necessary environment for those microbes to proliferate and become diverse. Uh, that's really the benefit of, uh, of long-term soil health and sustainability. Isn't there also a benefit of having native biology in the soil? I mean, if just like, you know, if you're going to put some plants in, you want to put some plants in that are native to the environment. If you bring something in for, from Australia, it may or may not thrive there. I would think microorganisms would be, would be the same thing, that if you're going to bring in something from the outside, it may or may not thrive. Most microbial uh, inoculums are raised in a very pristine laboratory-type environment. And so, unfortunately, they, they don't have the robustness that our native biology has. And so, rather than trying to inoculate, the better approach, in our opinion, is to feed the microbes that are already there the proper food, making sure that those that are facultative microbes are becoming uh, aerobic and not anaerobic, and making sure that the anaerobes are the aerobic uh, microbes are proliferating and have that diversity, because then they will outcompete the the pathogenic organisms, and so a positive aerobic environment with aerobes proliferating with all the diversity of the types and you know genius and species of those microbes. Uh, this is true farming. Farming really happens on the soil level. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's where, that's where a farmer, if he realizes he's not, he's not farming the crop on top, he's really farming the microbial community in his soil if he really understood what he was doing. That's what's generating his yield, his quality, and, uh, and his, uh, his soil, long-term soil health. Anyway, where I was going with that was that if you stimulate that microbial activity, the beneficial microbial activity, they will outcompete the negative, the anaerobic, the pathogenic organisms. And through competitive exclusion is something that's called in the community, competitive exclusion, we are not allowing those pathogenic organisms to proliferate. We've created an environment that's positive only to the beneficials. We've created uh, the full diversity. So we're, we're out competing for the food and for the, uh, we're keeping the sulfur away. So we're not feeding those anaerobic uh, pathogens, but we're really stimulating the beneficials. So just so that people get the right idea, when they look at the label, they may see ZAP has nitrogen and iron and manganese and zinc, but there's a whole lot more that goes into this product. Absolutely. Right? This is a product that has well over 100 ingredients in it. Uh, I can't even remember the last time I counted, but I think it's you know uh, somewhere between 125 to 150 different ingredients. A very uh, complex product to produce. And, um, and yet, at the same time, extremely powerful biostimulant. Um, uh, you know, uh, right now we're starting to say biostimulant. I recognize that in some states that's still not allowed to say, but I will just but tell you. you said it anyway. <laughs> I said it anyway. Um, the USDA is, uh, is joining in this 
movement to, to be able to eke out a biostimulant uh, definition and what that states. And these are true biostimulants. Um, we sell them as nutrients because that's all we've been able to do up to this point. But uh, truly, in the future, we hope to be able to say that if you want the very best biostimulant you can add to your soil, ZAP would be one of those very best ones. So let me ask about application because I want people to understand that this is not something that you put down just as a pre-plant. This is something that you can apply whenever it's needed throughout the season. So talk a little bit about application and rates and yeah, things like that. Application of ZAP is kind of like we tease about voting, right? Vote early and vote often. Um, we want to apply ZAP as early as a farmer. Uh, you know, our, our approach at Humagrow is never to go in and try to change the cultural practices of the farmer. What our intent is, is to work with the farmer and piggyback on whatever he's already doing. Uh, so if if he's willing, we'll, we'll apply the ZAP as quickly as we can, and uh, we're happy to get it in. Um, we always talk about uh, applying ZAP as early in the season as possible. A pre-plant would be best. Uh, but then again, that microbial activity cycle in the soil is typically a 15-day cycle. So when you talk about this uh, stimulation going on, and by the way, through our microcarbon technology, this is happening very quickly. Uh, we apply today, it's gonna start to make a difference today. This is not slow release, control release. This is immediate uh, action uh, going on in the soil. And so we're changing the environment from the moment we're applying and, uh, and we're seeing that activity level go for 15 days. One of the things that I've loved to teach people about is that after that 15 day uh, really ramp up in uh, microbial activity, then it slowly tapers off over time. If we can apply again at that next 15 day uh, cycle, we can begin to grow it even more. And so we just start riding these waves or creating these waves of microbial activity. And, and so our recommendation for ZAP in the ideal world would be to apply ZAP every 15 days through the growing season. Now, we always like to start with a heavier dose. So our typical heavy dose is recommended one gallon to two gallons per acre, per hect, per acre or we're talking about 10 to 20 liters per hectare. So those, those are our recommended rates. We typically see in a row crop with a, a lower budget, uh, we're lucky to get a half a gallon, but we're happy if we can get to that gallon. But then if, if we understand this microbial cycle, uh, if we can, through the growing season, come back at any point in time and, and re-inoculate, re uh, reintroduce a zap to stimulate that uh, environment again uh, with these uh, all of these precursors of microbial activity. Then we're going to start to create these waves of microbial activity that really will keep all the pathogens out through the growing season. So we like to start, for example, with a gallon per, per acre, 10 liters per hectare, and then maybe in 15 days come back if we have the opportunity uh, we recognize that there's some crops that we just don't have the budget for that. So we fully understand there's got to be moderation and it's got to fit within the grower's budget. We're not trying to burst the budget, but we're just saying that the more that they can do of that 
uh, wave creating or, or uh, you know, riding the, the peaks of this microbial activity, the more they're going to see in, in uh, soil fertility, long-term sustainability, soil health, and, um, and in the yield and the quality of the crop uh, on the other end. So this works extremely well for any irrigation that's going on, putting it in through the irrigation drip, uh, furrow, flood, uh, sprinkler. What about the guy who's got a, a who's farming on non-irrigated land? Yeah, again, they're typically coming across with some kind of a spray. Either it's a pre-emergent uh, herbicide or it's some other type of of a spray that they're doing either pre-plant or post-plant or even uh, post-emergence, they're coming across with something. And so we just piggyback with whatever they're doing. Uh, and, uh, and we're happy to do it that way. Uh, we do believe that one of the best ways, if you're spraying, uh, if you can spray before hilling, then you're spraying and then you're hilling or hipping up into the hill uh, the concentration, a greater concentration of the zap material to create that environment within the hill. So, yeah, uh, good point. Uh, certainly through any irrigation system and, and the benefit of the, of the more technical irrigation systems is that then the budgets for that particular crop go up per acre per hectare. So you're able to increase those uh, budgets and then maybe come back and, uh, you know, certainly in the highest technical uh, irrigation systems, drip irrigation, you can uh, apply every 15 days and it's just not that big a deal to put a little dose in there every 15 days and just keep pushing those those waves of microbial activity, if you will, to always outcompete or competitively excludes, exclude the negative microbial activity. So Barrett, you're out there in the field quite a bit these days. Anything you want to add to this discussion before we move on to Promax? Yeah, speak of the devil, I'm actually out in the fields right now in Arkansas looking at some peanuts here. But uh, I, I think I, I kind of just echo what Lyndon was saying about how important the soil microbial community is and, and the importance for the root exudates to have a good good area to, to live and to breathe and to really you know give a good working environment for those roots to flourish. Zap is, is a very novel product. It does a lot of good things for the microbes. And in that regard, and also on top of what it's got, the ingredients that are in it, it'll help kind of release up nutrients, help with the buffering of pH for nutrients, um, you know, through competitive exclusion, fight off diseases. It's just a great product that even in in this area, in the row crop industry with, with cotton and corn and, and soybeans, that the prices are low, we can still come in and see a tremendous benefit for we're doing zap. Uh, Mark Gregor out here in Arkansas is just having a lo- loads of fun with with getting zap in furrow and and getting it in all throughout the growing season to really push and to keep everything up and running and fight off a lot of the diseases and reduce a lot of the pesticides that are applied because we're so healthy down below. So I just I love zap and and we're we're just excited to 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 keep it going in the row crop industry as well as push it more in the in the vegetable and the fruit industry as well. I appreciate what Barrett has said there because there are more benefits to ZAP other than just stimulating microbial activity. It has the ability to flocculate clays. It has the ability to increase water holding capacity. Uh, It has the ability to release nutrients 
that are tied up in the soil solution and allow them to be more available to crops. And so it, it does many other things than just the microbial activity. Some would say uh, it buffers salt, it, it takes care of toxicities, it you know it does a lot of other things. Some could say, well, that's really through the beneficial microbial activity. And we will give that uh, some of that. However, there's also some chemical reactions that are going on through the microcarbon technology in ZAP that are changing the, the environment, the chemistry of the soil solution as well. Uh, so one is a precursor to the other and the other is a precursor to, to some other beneficial, beneficial responses. Yeah, so while we have you on the phone and you're in the Mid-South, I know that there's a lot of cut ground in that area. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the experiences that your growers are seeing there in the Mississippi Delta area, uh, you know, the greater Delta region with cut ground and the application of ZAP? Sure. Um, a couple of different stories that have been fun over the past few years. Um, Lyndon and I were, were out visiting a, a farmer and, and we had some ZAP in the back of our truck and he says, hey, what's, what's this ZAP product that you have? And they had just started using our product, uh, Breakout and some other things. And uh, we we drove we drove up past him, and he's like, "Hey, what what is that?" And I said, "Oh, this is that for you know getting the microbial community up and running and help fight off diseases." And and uh, he's like, "Well, how will it do on my cut ground?" And then Lyndon says, "Well, let's go look at it." And so we went over and looked at it, and for years and years they had you know for three like it was it was probably five or six years ago they had cut this ground. And it was just struggled. They put NPK on it, you know, try everything they can to put out micronutrients. Wouldn't go anywhere. Um, we we walk through the fields, and Lyndon uh, Lyndon loves doing this, and he'll tell you that. Uh, he bent down, picked up some soil, and rubbed it in his fingers, and smelled it, and he looked at the farmer. He had him, hey, what do you smell? And the farmer said, I don't smell anything. He said, that's exactly right. Your soil is dead. Your soil is dirt, and we need to get this back to life. And Zap's going to do that for you. So we did an application of, of ZAP, um, some superfoss, and I think some calcium as well. Um, and within within the first that first year, easily brought it back um, and had a, a reasonable crop that looked like a, a crop that had that he had planted normally um, that struggled for years and years. And afterwards, uh, the the next couple of years afterwards, every single cut ground that they did, they always applied some some ZAP to bring it back. And and now they're they're doing ZAP over their healthy ground. I'm going to go look at some of those fields today. Another thing is uh, we were up at a, a distributor up in, in Jonesboro area, south of Jonesboro, and um, they had some cut ground, and the farmer was, or the, the retailer was suggesting to, to put out some chicken litter on that, and, and Mark Gregory said, hey, let's put some zap on top of that chicken litter, help turn that under, help break down that chicken litter, as well as get the microbes up and running, fight off the diseases that are in the chicken litter, et cetera. Um, and he said that was that was the best decision he's ever done was do the, the zap with the chicken letter on top of that, and and like what you were saying the the zap with any other microbe inoculant or zap with any other you know injection that they're doing to to get the, the biology stimulated zap's going to be the one two punch that's really going to make the difference. And if I could interject the the name zap first time I heard that it's like zap what are we killing. But it's not about killing; it's about zapping some life into the soil, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, opposite of what it normally would be. You zap it with a chemistry, you're going to kill them. 
but you zap it with this product, you're going to really stimulate them. So I, I love that. I, you know, I've teased before, if we're going to inoculate or if we're going to put down uh, some other type of microbial beneficial stimulant, manure, compost, what compost tea, whatever, the very best thing is to give them a sack lunch uh, so that they can proliferate. And that's what ZAP becomes is a, is an excellent nutrient source, um, a carbon-rich material for, for causing that to happen. Um, uh, the other thing that you commented on there, Barrett, briefly, was um, how uh, the ZAP... Uh, changes changes the environment so what what we see in cut ground typically is a plant that comes up and it just has no root because it's in a hard pan it's been cut and it creates a hard pan there and so the roots can't penetrate and then when you apply the zap and the roots just go down it's uh, it's quite fun any any other stories there barrett yeah, actually, uh, we were we were just talking to a farmer this morning with with we we pulled up one of his cotton roots and it went down you know two or three inches and then just blit, blitzed off to the side whole, completely horizontal and uh, we've we've done that time after time out here. Mark Mark's done a really good job of pushing that. We've got a couple issues with with farmers over the years that have, have struggled with hard pan and we'll do a heavier dose of of zap in furrow or you know broadcast and water it in real good, make sure we got a good, you know, good application there. And within, uh, if we've got severe issues, it might take us two, two shots. We'll do one, one gallon the first year and maybe a half gallon or a quart the next year in furrow. And, uh, we'll, we're able to go out there and measure and pull up roots. And that root goes straight down and nice and thick and beautiful and lush and branches all up. Um, so with, with hard pan, especially we can knock that, we can knock that out with an application or two of that. Most of the time, we can do it in one year with a, just a, a quart to a half gallon in furrow to help them save some money because they're tight budgeted out here. But we really see improvements of the soil and the, that hard pan really getting that loosed up, getting the microbes to spread out there and break that up a little bit better and then give an extra stimulant to the root to really push through and, and make a big, big difference. So it's been a lot of fun what we've done with Zap out here. So people need to understand they've got a whole underground army that they can take advantage of if they if they help it along. Uh, you want to feed the soil so you feed the microbes so they can do their jobs so the plants can do their jobs. There's some really cool instrumentation that's coming online. Uh, some of the new stuff that that we're seeing that uh, that uh, measures the beneficial uh, microbial activity in the soil, and those are those are coming. They're they're not here fully yet, uh, but there are some test kits that do some microbial activity uh, testing in the field really quick rather than having to send it to a lab and do a plate count and all that kind of thing. But uh, I'll just tell you, the shortest cut I know is what Barrett brought up earlier, uh, is to smell the soil. And uh, there's uh, uh, four or five distinct smells that you get when you smell the soil. One one is uh, no smell at all. And that just means it's sterile and you're not getting any microbial activity. Um, another one is you smell chemical. And there's many times that I've smelled the chemical and that's because they've used a fumigant and there's still chemical residue in the soil. Well, that's worse than the sterile one because you've got to get rid of that toxicity before you can even get beneficial microbes to come back. So that's the worst one. Um, then the next one is you can actually smell soil that uh, has that sulfur smell. 
uh, and clearly it's from that anaerobic environment that's created uh, in the uh, in the soil uh, root zone. And so if you smell that sulfur smell, you know that's not good. The one that you really want to smell is that very earthy smell that you can think of in your grandma's garden or uh, you can you can think of going out uh, in a field after it's been dissed and you smell that really beautiful earthy smell, uh, lots of earthworms. Uh, that that really wonderful smell is caused by what they call actinomycetes, which is one of the microbial organisms, uh, not a microbe, but a higher life form than a microbe. But in that diversity, it's one of the one of the very important ones, and that's what creates that very beneficial smell. So it's not microbial activity necessarily, it's the actinomycetes or actinomycetes, however you want to say it, uh, depending on what part of the country you're from, uh, then uh, that's what really creates um, that beautiful aroma. This concludes part one of a two-part podcast on soil biology and soil health with Lyndon and Barrett Smith. Be sure to listen to part two when we talk with Lyndon and Barrett about our OMRI-listed organic nematicide and fungicide, Promax. Keep following the Humagrow Farmer podcast for the latest information on enhancing your crops using Humagrow products. Grow healthy!